Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to the Nope Too Creepy podcast. Let's be serious for a moment. We are living in a scary time. Between diseases, rumors of war, a shaky economy, and apparently a new species of striped mosquitoes, yeah, it's real. Look it up. I saw the picture and it's weird. You can't be blamed if you are on the edge or a bit paranoid from day to day. So I'm here to help ease your mind just a little bit with an episode all about heinous and morbid crimes. No need to thank me, dear listener. I do it because I love you. This month's mega episode will feature three stories of devious criminals and their unexplainable crimes. This first story follows an assassin who gets hired to kill a target he never would have suspected. Written by Reddit user, I did it, mom, I told a story. That's, that's actually the name. Here is, I've been hired to kill myself. I run a business for a very specific group of people. That group of people are those who want someone dead, but are too lazy to do it themselves. The name isn't important. If you want me bad enough, you'll find me. I get all sorts of clients, husbands, wives, pissed off co-workers who just got laid off. Revenge is the product I sell, and it just so happens to be very popular. I do take requests for an extra fee. I can make them feel pain, end it quick, make it look like a suicide. I have a pretty strong reputation on the streets due to my strict adherence to two rules. Always complete the job and never leave a trace. Obviously I can't have people knowing who I really am. So whenever I'm on duty, talking to clients, I wear a mask and dark sunglasses. I also employ a full length coat gloves, and a bowler hat, leaving absolutely no identifiable or traceable qualities. I speak as little as possible, and change my tone quite frequently, so they'll never be able to tell my real voice. You may be wondering why I'm telling you all of this. The main reason is, I'm not going to get another chance to do so because I'm about to perform my last job ever. Let me explain. I was waiting near the shipyards to meet a client. She was late, something I rarely tolerate. However, funds were running low, so I needed to make an exception, which I exceptionally hate doing, but I didn't have much of a choice. She finally came around the corner of the building, 15 minutes later than she said she would be. I almost blew my cover when I instantly recognized her. It was my wife. I wanted to say something, but I couldn't. I had a professional reputation to uphold, and it wasn't my first time working with someone I knew. Before she could even speak, 
I held up my hand. You're late, I stated flatly. Do you have my payment? She held up a suitcase, turned it towards me, and opened it up. $75,000, just like I promised, she stammered nervously. I counted it all, making sure I wasn't getting scammed. I finished counting, closed the case, and looked at her. She was wringing her hands nervously, obviously not wanting to be with me very long. Who's the target? I asked, injecting no emotion, wanting to stay as professional as possible. She was quiet for a second, and then blurted out, I think my husband's cheating on me. I was taken aback. I would never cheat on my wife. If there's one thing I hate more in this world than liars, it's cheaters. I never get personal with clients, but I had to ask. Continuing my flat, uninterested tone, I asked, And why is that? She looked at me, tears streaming down her face. He's gone every night. He said he's going to work, his second job, but he always comes back with a smile on his face and in a much better mood. I just know he's sleeping with another woman. You'll kill him for me, won't you? I was faced with quite the moral dilemma. If I said no, my reputation would be instantly ruined and my business would crumble to the ground. It only takes one mistake for your clients to lose faith in you. So I swallowed my fears, blocked out the voices in my head, screaming to tell the truth, and I simply replied, yes, and vanished into the shadows. So here I am, sitting in the alleyway outside my apartment building. Beside me, as I type this, sits a loaded revolver with one bullet. This whole time I've been typing, I've been trying to figure out which I value more, my life or my reputation. I wouldn't want this to be the first job I fail. Right? This next story follows a new homeowner who questions his new neighborhood and how abnormally safe it is. It's not long until he finds out why and begins to regret ever moving in. Written by Reddit user Secret Rider, I present Why Crime in My Neighborhood is So Low. My name is Joseph, spelled with an extra E. And no, my nickname is not Joey, despite what my neighbors might tell you. People looking for affordable housing and real estate agents and whoever else keep coming up to me and my neighbors and asking us how the neighborhood is so nice and safe 
while the costs are so low? Well, that's because of the landlord. Now, when I say landlord, nobody rents houses around here. We all own them. It's not an HOA or anything like that. We don't have any abnormal rules or any tight restrictions on any of the annoying HOA stuff, but you are expected to follow the law. However, when someone new moves in, they receive a letter. If there are multiple people living in the house, they get multiple letters, one addressed to each resident. Given how this letter was supposedly from a landlord, and the return address indicated a house number that was missing from the neighborhood, I kept it, just in case I ever needed it as evidence for any type of legal bullshit. The letter read as follows. Dear Joseph, Hello, I am your landlord. Feel free to call me your Dunkle. That's what the cool kids say anyway, right? I'm not going to come after you for rent or anything. I just have a few simple rules that you hopefully would have followed anyway. No breaking the law. I'm not spying on you, and so I won't bust you for piracy, drug use, underage drinking, etc., etc., but no violent crime, no theft. And if someone says to stay off their property or leave them alone, stay off of their property and leave them alone. You can still use the sidewalk in front of their house, as long as it's not with malicious intent. No littering, no harassing your neighbors. Pets are perfectly fine, but please pick up after your animals. I don't care about the height of the grass, what ugly things you may put in your yard, or if you have a loud party in the morning to the evening, though your neighbors might. If you violate the rule about noise, even as lax as it is, there will be a noise complaint. If you commit any crimes, such as assault, stalking, theft, etc., towards your neighbors or guests, assuming it is not done in self-defense, of course, I then become responsible and will come to deal with the problem myself. As you may have figured, there isn't much you have to be mindful of, aside from standard law, especially since I don't want to have to do any work about it. You will not receive any warnings. I don't have time to chase those around. So this is your only warning. Don't make me have to do my job. Guests are subject to these same rules and punishments. And remember, I hear everything. Sincerely, Dunkle. Most of us have guns, so we know there's no way we're getting away with anything against each other. Life goes on, and the only evidence that this so-called landlord even exists 
are the new letters received by the new neighbors and the elderly neighbors who say they've met him, but don't offer anything more than that. So, we knew he was a guy, probably an older guy, and that he keeps loose tabs on all the residents. We've had no real reason to be concerned, except maybe the I hear everything remark, which could have just been his lame attempt at being jokingly creepy. In April of 2012, a little woman named Mary moved down the street. Blonde, blue eyes, short, not particularly remarkable. When she first moved in, she only spoke to us out of fear over the letter. But over time, she calmed down and started small talk. Some of my friends still live here, and occasionally we play Dungeons and Dragons together. So I decided to invite Mary. We had a lot of fun, and one night she invited me over for dinner. At first, I thought it was going to be a date, but then I later realized she wasn't interested, and her family was over as well, so that was awkward. We ate pizza and watched a movie. It was a movie I had watched well over 100 times, Friday the 13th. During the movie, we all distinctly heard a voice that sounded very stern, as if we were children about to break a rule. Guests are subject to these rules and punishments. Which instantly got mine and Mary's attention as a direct line from the letter. I was perplexed because I was sure that line was not in the film but we rewatched the scene a few times to make sure. About 15 minutes later, we heard two screams. One was of a male horrifically screaming in rage and anguish, followed by the scream of a frightened and pained man, along with furniture and a vase smashing to the floor. We all looked in the direction of the second scream from downstairs, and a man in a wife-beater and jeans was storming up with a knife in hand. Mary's dad tried to fight him, but he was stabbed and knocked aside. I was carrying, so I removed my pistol from its holster, while Mary, her mother, and her grandmother got behind me. But before I could pull the trigger, the screaming that had been in the background came to our attention. In addition to that loud screaming, we heard what sounded like a car being flipped and wood exploding as the scream got louder and louder. We then began to hear something bounding up the stairs. Mary's father, still wounded on the ground, let out a terrified scream, but the bounding continued to get closer and closer to the door until he was in view. Our landlord. The landlord, as we can only call him, was vaguely humanoid. He stood tall at 6'5". His skin was gray, leathery, wrinkled, and gaunt. In place of normal arms, 
the landlord had long spikes that moved around like fingers coming around various parts of his torso. He was bald, with milky white eyes and an elongated mouth, sadness painted all over his face. He didn't stop screaming. That scream of anguish, agony, and pure hatred. The landlord impaled the man through his forearms, lifting him up and stabbing him through the chest repeatedly. He screamed in his face before ripping his arms clean off and tossing them to the ground while continuing to stab him over and over again. The landlord was stabbing him so fast and with so many different spikes all at once that I lost count. Eventually, he slammed the man, or what was left of him at least, to the ground before spinning around and leaving the room. It took us all a moment to snap out of our days and leave the room to go inspect everything that had happened. But when we did, we realized there was no blood. Mary's father was taken care of. The splintered wood of the house, the vase, even pieces of the car that had been flipped were all missing. While we were collecting ourselves and trying to make sense of everything, the landlord returned and began to approach us. I pulled my gun and he stopped. He began to pierce his cheeks with two spikes in order to force a smile on his face, and he said, I do apologize for the mess. This should cover the damages and make up for your time. He then extended one of his spikes to offer Mary a case of cash. He turned to me and gave me $1,500. We watched as it went up and down the street to the neighbors, giving them just as much as he had given me, in order to, quote, compensate for the noise. But most likely it was just hush money. Eventually things began to return to normal. Repairs were made to Mary's home, and her father was miraculously unharmed after the stabbing. The neighborhood was buzzing for a bit, but eventually went silent once again. The older members of the neighborhood explained that this was the reason the neighborhood was so safe. It was because of our landlord. So there's your explanation. Prices are low and safety is high because somewhere in our neighborhood is a monster that calls itself our landlord. If you can live with those screams whenever something like that happens, or you're desperate for the affordable housing or the security, then this is the neighborhood for you. I don't know about you guys, but I think I would be just fine living there. Does that mean I'm boring? Does that mean I'm lame? Yeah, maybe, so, yeah, so? 
Our third and final story follows a college student who stumbles upon an old news article that causes a rush of memories from his childhood to flood back. Memories that he wishes would have stayed buried. Written by Reddit user P. Oxford. Here is Unidentified Man Found Dead. Police Suspect Foul Play. I was working on a local history paper for a college class, and as I was flipping through microfiche of the local newspaper, a headline caught my eye. It stood out against the endless stories about some big storm. Unidentified man found dead. Police suspect foul play. I skimmed the article. They didn't have a lot of details but apparently he was found in the same area I used to live. I closed my eyes, thinking. Didn't I remember that storm? Hazy memories started to fit together in my mind. It had been a weird few days, I remembered that. Wait, I saw a man outside the house back then, didn't I? Could it have been him? I strained my mind, trying to remember. Didn't I have to sit down for a police sketch at some point? It was right before we moved, too. And then, it all came rushing back to me. I was sitting in front of the fireplace in our little farmhouse in an isolated part of a deep fjord, the wind howling outside the rain drumming on the windows, and the many little streams that had just appeared in the last little while gurgling outside. The storm was a bad one. When it rained like that, it was like the whole mountain behind us came alive with water. It was everywhere. Millions of little streams would gather into large flows, then hurl themselves over steep rock face in spectacular waterfalls. My parents were in the kitchen, talking in low voices. I assumed they were fighting, again. They usually were when they were whispering. They weren't very good at hiding things from me. And that little girl needs friends. My mom let slip in a louder voice. My father hushed her, and then they returned to the normal whispers. Just low enough that I could make out the words. I didn't need to. I knew that fight. My mom thought the little farmhouse in the forest in the fjord was too isolated for my social development. My dad thought the fresh air, the nature, and the physical activity would do me good. So they fought. I immersed myself in the book I was reading and tried to ignore them. A new hour started and the radio switched to the news. The storm is hitting small coastal communities hard. We have reports of large landslides down the fjord. The slides have washed out the road, likely isolating the small community. The cleanup work will not start until the storm has passed. In other news... Did you hear that, John? My mother's voice rose again. Did you hear that? The goddamn road is gone! We're stuck here until they bother fixing it! She practically yelled that last part. 
I couldn't make out my father's answer, but it was probably something about keeping her voice down so I wouldn't hear, because the rest of the conversation became nothing more than a jumbled mess of tense exchanges. The wind howled, drowning out any sound of the conversation in the kitchen. The sky darkened even further as the sun set, and I moved closer to the fire. Delightful chills ran down my spine as I finished a particularly scary story in the horror collection I was reading. I stared into the flames, enjoying the thrill. Something scratched on the wall. I jumped, heart pounding. Something was scratching at the far wall of the house, the one that faced the woods. Monsters, werewolves. A cry for help rose in my throat, but I swallowed it at the last second. I didn't need another talk about how the horror stories were too scary for me. It was probably just a branch that had broken off of a tree. I tried to calm myself down, reminding myself that my parents were in the kitchen, even if I couldn't hear them talk. <sighs> just a branch. The wind howled again with an eerily human quality. I shuddered and put away the book. Maybe my parents were right. Maybe I should stop reading all these horror stories. At least they were in the next room. I wasn't alone. But they do sleep all the way at the other end of the hallway, said an unfriendly voice in my head. Stupid me. Why did I have to read those damn stories? A muffled thud sounded against the back wall, and I jumped in my chair, heart beating in my throat. Okay, I thought, branches don't do that. Had the wind gotten strong enough to lift logs? Maybe, I told myself. Probably. I considered tiptoeing over to the little window that faced the forest to peek through the gap in the closed curtains. The idea immediately brought to mind an image of a face pressed against the window. That stupid, stupid book. There was a story there of a man who sees the ghost of an old sailor peering through his little window. I didn't know then that the illustration to that story would haunt me for years, but it did. At the time, it just stopped me from looking out of the window as surely as if I had been shackled to the chair. I pulled my feet up, vaguely disturbed by the thought of someone grabbing me. I quickly swore to never read another scary story. Another far too human howl from the wind and a low gurgling sound. The wind and a stream, obviously. I almost jumped out of my chair when the kitchen door opened. My dad entered, chuckling at me and saying something about children and horror stories. Then he shooed me off to bed. I brushed my teeth and walked with some trepidation down the hallway, past the front door and into my bedroom. I couldn't shake the image of the fisherman with his face pressed against the window. I made sure the curtains were completely closed, 
leaving no little openings for someone to peek through, and jumped into my bed, keeping my ankles out of reach from anything hiding under it. Then I curled up under my duvet, making sure that not a single part of me was uncovered. No limbs hanging off the edge, nothing for a monster to grab. My dad came in, kissed me goodnight, and turned off the lights. A few uneasy twists and turns in the bed, and I drifted off to sleep. I awoke with a start, with no idea why or how long it was until morning. The dark room filled me with dread, and I repeated my vow to never read horror stories again. The wind was still howling, not helping my predicament. My heart was beating a steady tattoo in my chest, and I pulled the covers up to my nose. And then, I heard it. Footsteps. Right outside. I sat up, looking around wildly. Footsteps? No, I am imagining things. It's the wind. Just the wind. I turned on the light, weighing my options. Crashing thunder shook the little house, and I knew I had to get my parents. I was a little too old now, but there was nothing else to do. I took a deep breath, jumped across the room as far away from the dark abyss beneath the bed as possible, and hurried down the hallway. I paused for a moment, hesitating to pass the front door. The front door that had the little window in it. The window like the one in the story, with the face, with the empty eyes just staring inside. My heart beat faster. I took a deep breath, turned on the light and moved past the door, vowing not to look. I looked and my world froze. There, in the little window, lit up by the light in the hallway, was a face. A man. Wild-eyed. Wet hair plastered down the sides of his face. A strange sneer on his lips, staring back at me. Like a deer caught in the headlights, I just stood there. And then the world unfroze, and I screamed. I hollered myself hoarse. Footsteps rushed towards me as I screamed and screamed and screamed. There was... There is... There's a man! He's there! Out there! But there was nothing but darkness in the window. Ah, honey, there's nothing there. No! He was there! I started sobbing. Shh, honey. It's just the storm. It's scary, I know. No! I sobbed. Someone was there! My mother bent down, holding my shoulder. It's okay, sweetie. Daddy will check if there's something outside. Don't worry. My dad got up and walked to the door. He looked out of the window and went to open the door. 
the moment he pushed down on the handle. The door slammed open. A gust of wind brought the rain all the way into the house, and I was dripping in a second. I screamed again at the sheer shock of the natural force out there. My dad, ever my hero, poked his head outside and looked around. He jerked back and slammed the door closed. When he turned back, he was pale as a ghost. Nothing there, he choked out, doing little to reassure me. Nothing at all. Daddy, I saw a man. Sweetheart, there's nothing there. He tried again in a calmer voice, locking the door behind him. But know what? I think you should spend the night with mommy and daddy. Why did you lock the door? I asked suspiciously. Scared? My dad was never scared. What was happening? I cried even harder. I heard him take a deep breath, saying, Nobody is out there, sweetie. I told you so. But then, so that I wouldn't understand, he switched to English, speaking quickly in a low, tense voice. I had my head buried in my mother's shoulder, so I couldn't see their expressions, but I noticed my mother's sharp intake of breath. What? I sobbed. What is it? Oh, nothing, sweetie. Just something wrong in the garden. You know, the water. He trailed off. Another tense exchange in English. Okay, hon. Right now, you and me are going to bed, and Daddy will call some people about the... about what's wrong in the garden. What's wrong in the garden? I asked suspiciously. The man is still there, right? He is. I know it. No, 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 baby. Nothing serious. Come here. We'll sleep in the big bed together tonight. Won't that be fun? I scowled at her, furiously wiping away the tears in my eyes. I knew they were hiding something. I knew it. She led me into the living room, closing the kitchen door behind us. I could hear my dad talking over the phone. Days? No, we can't wait for days. There's a... John! My mom yelled. We can hear you. He lowered his voice and the rest of the conversation was lost to me. The storm raged for another three days. The three most boring days of my life. For some reason, my parents decided to board up the windows so I couldn't even see outside. They said something about the wind. On top of that, they didn't allow me to go outside at all, blaming the rain. I was annoyed. My whole life, I had been told there is no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothes, and was immediately sent outside to play. But now that I wanted to, I was stuck inside. They wouldn't even let me listen to the radio, 
I spent my days reading while my mother paced up and down the living room and my father cleaned his shotgun. Three days of this. I thought I would go crazy. I didn't even notice the wind dying down. But then, on the morning of the fourth day, I heard a new sound. It was far away, but it sounded like it was slowly approaching. A rhythmic succession of rapid thudding sounds, just like a flag flapping in strong wind. I frowned. The flag wasn't up. Mom? I yelled. What's that sound? Sound? She said. I can't hear. Oh, that's a helicopter. Oh, thank the Lord, they're coming for us, John. Who is? Oh, well, the police, sweetie, because of, well, the road. We get to ride in a helicopter? I asked. We'll see, honey. A couple more hours inside the house, and then I really did get to ride in a helicopter. I frowned as I walked across our lawn. The police had put stuff everywhere, and a huge tarp covered part of the grass. They had me sit down with a sketch artist to draw the man I had seen. They said someone was missing and that maybe the man I had seen was that person. I remember my parents telling me not to be afraid, not to worry, and I didn't. Never did. It's amazing what you can convince a child of. I leaned back in my chair. The memory had left a bad taste in my mouth. How had I never questioned these events? I made my way through the newspapers. The headlines kept getting worse as the details of the case became known to the press. Unidentified male victim found decapitated. Head of murder victim still not found. No leads on murder. Storm washed away evidence. I shuddered as the sketch of the man I had seen in the window rolled over the screen. Eyewitness rendering of man likely connected to murder case. And then the headline hit me like a punch in the gut. Family trapped for three days due to storm. Decapitated corpse in their garden. Murderer still on the loose. Apparently, after discovering the victim's body, the family had been informed by the police that it would be days before anyone could get out there. A mudslide had washed out the road and the winds were too strong for a helicopter. For three days they had waited while a decapitated corpse decayed on their lawn. Knowing the murderer must have been somewhere in the woods, just as stuck as they were. Ice ran down my spine as the truth sunk in. That family was my family. 
a quick Google search and I had all the details of the case. They never found the man in the sketch. The man I saw was the murderer or the murdered. They had never found the head. They had never even identified the victim. And, as you may have guessed, they never found the killer. All they knew was that two men had made it through the storm, through the woods, up or down the steep hills surrounding our house. And once they were practically at our doorstep, one had cut off the head of the other, taken it with him, and disappeared forever. Thank you for joining me in this episode of the Nope Too Creepy Podcast. Remember to stay alert when you're out and about. You never know who or what may be watching you, waiting for their time to strike. Or maybe I'm just being paranoid. If you're interested in learning more about any of the authors, links to connect with them can be found in the show notes. Until next time, this is your host, Dan David, reminding you all to stay safe out there. I'll be seeing you in the next episode. Nope.